how do we teach athletes to practice life as they practice sport? There is this kind of assumption that sport prepares us for life, but the reality is, is that life prepares us for life, right? And that we have to practice both. Life prepares us for life. That's another. I'm there's a lot of taglines coming out of this yeah. uh, conversation. That's good. I'm life a tagline machine. <laughs> <I know. laughs> SpartanUpPodcast.com. We're here in Pittsville, Vermont. We got the team, Colonel Nye, we got Dr. Johnny, and we got Wild Woman, Sephra. I'm cutting out the wilderness part because of what we learned in the last podcast. But we are living in the... But we are living <laughs> what do we learn, Joe? Was <laughs> well, she swims at night in a bikini in the woods. I don't know. I thought she was out that's, there. That's pretty wild. I thought she was foraging for food. I, I, I love how in these intros we have lots of little uh, bits and pieces about other podcasts, and we all know what we're talking about. Make sure you go and watch all the podcasts because there's some great gems. Uh, for example, uh, I know that um, I did kiss a guy. Yes. <laughs> it was as, an as, as Katy Perry says, "And did you like it?" So, yeah, but you, you didn't kiss Alan Lim. So tell us about this interview. Uh, Alan Lim, um, founder CEO of Scratch Labs. I was super excited because he fueled for many, many, many years Tour de France athletes. Uh, I always thought we did the toughest events in the world. Um, I mean, you survived out in the jungle for I don't know how long but there's nothing like the Tour de France, right? I mean, those guys are pushing at 110%, and um, you don't get the right food. Mm -hmm. You don't get the right food in a marathon, you're toast. Yeah. What happens over that many days at that, at that kind of level of intensity? So um, super interesting. My buddy Ted Kennedy, I think you guys know him. I met him during the Ironman circuit. Not the, guy, not the guy from Massachusetts. Not the guy from Massachusetts. Hooks me up with a whole bunch of athletes out in Boulder. Tells me about this guy from Scratch Labs, Alan Lim. We meet at a, uh, a mutual spot where we can find each other. It's in a, a, a croissant shop. And to my surprise, this top nutritionist is buying a croissant and getting a coffee. And I'm thinking, this can't be the guy. He should be getting yeah, a water and a celery. This. It's impossible. <laughs> and so um, it's a really interesting podcast because we don't agree on a lot of things. And um, but I, but I like him. I think he's got some great stuff, some great um, knowledge, and he's fueling some some people. So you know, maybe I have it wrong. And it's, um, it's, it seems to me that he's also finding a way to take what he's learned with these uh, elite athletes and harnessing it for everyone else too. Is that the case? That is the case. Um, and there's a lot of athletes I know now. It's funny you put things together after you meet somebody that um, are telling me his stuff is second to none. His products. So um, so yeah, he's he's doing it, and apparently he's doing it right. Let's see uh, if you guys agree. Cool. Looking forward to it. I am here in Alaska with Alan Lim. That's why I have the coat on. <laughs> um, you are a trainer to the stars. You are founder of Scratch Labs, which is this awesome food company that makes stuff from scratch for athletes that are really intense and don't have time. It's a grab-and-go kind of situation. Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm an exercise physiologist. I kind of started my professional career off as an academic. Uh, I studied at the University of Colorado Boulder where I got my PhD in, um, in physiology. I worked with a great guy named Dr. Bill Burns through the Applied Exercise Science Laboratory. And the idea was always, you know, how do we apply um, science? How do we apply it to practice? Um, how do we make people better? And when I came into the world of sports, um, everyone saw me as this guy who was about marginal gains, right? You know, how do we get techie little gains in performance? But what I realized was that it was not about marginal gains when it came to sports science. It was about bottlenecks. It was about finding somebody's rate limiting factor because no matter what you apply in terms of a marginal gain to sports performance, if you're not dealing with the bottleneck downstream, 
it doesn't matter. And oftentimes the bottlenecks had nothing to do with training or, you know, the things we think about in terms of sports performance. They had to do with whether or not somebody was happy, whether or not they were even, you know, getting enough sleep, whether they had the life skills to go to the supermarket and, you know, pick out the right foods and prepare a meal for themselves. Right. And so I kind of found myself working in professional sports, not as a sports scientist, but as a kind of glorified home economics teacher. And it was... You found it was a stew. It wasn't just one thing. You had to make sure the whole was that's working. Right. That's right? right. And, you know, I think that what people forget is that most of these really talented athletes that we put up on a pedestal are also really, really young athletes who haven't really had a lot of life experience and who haven't um, really been challenged to take care of themselves, right? They have been, you know, cared for by their parents, by professional sports organizations, they've been catered to, but it's when they start to grow up and learn how those basic life skills can integrate into their daily lives and their sport that they truly become better. Um, and, and most of the background was cycling for you? Yeah, most of the background for me was, was cycling. Very high level cycling. Yep, you know. Uh, Tour de France we'll call, Yeah, Grand stuff. Tour level stuff, Tour right. de France, all that sort of stuff. Um, which is, you know, amazingly challenging, uh, stressful, and kind of hellish experience, right? Because it's a 21-day stage race. It, it doesn't end after the first day, and you find yourself trapped in this, like, bizarro groundhog day where you're just doing it over and over and over again, and everything you do affects the next day, affects the next day, affects the next day. Um, so you learn a lot of consistency and you learn a lot about what it takes to excel. But, but, but there's level. no better laboratory, right, to, to be applying these, these thoughts and, and these applications of, of things you came up with and that's at right. that level. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and ultimately, you know, yeah, there's a lot of science, but there's also a lot of psychology and there's a lot of sociology and there's a lot of just like dealing with, with the drudgery of, of, of a task. Um, ultimately, you know, for me, I realized that so much of what we learned in that environment could apply to people in their daily lives, and that's why we started Scratch Labs. And, you know, Scratch Labs is really kind of a mishmash, a hodgepodge, a eclectic collection of, of, you know, all the lessons that I learned when I was working on the pro cycling tour. Um, we're not quite a nutrition company. We're not quite an event company. We're not quite a you know, educational company. We make, you know, all natural hydration products, all natural sports drinks. Um, we also, you know, write cookbooks. Um, we also put on training camps. We also have a 20 foot, you know, kitchen trailer that we drive to events to cook better food for people so they don't have to, you know, eat prepackaged food when they're, when they're competing. We do a lot of things, but ultimately the mission at Scratch is to provide people with the inspiration the life skills and the products to take better care of themselves and their families. Right. And I think that's all we're all trying to do. Is and and it, so it doesn't matter if they're a Tour de France athlete. It's, it's a businessman. It's a mom. It's anybody that just wants to be yeah. better at their game. Food yeah. is like one leg of the stool that's right. that's to right. being better. That's right. We're, 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 all, we're all human right. and we're all athletes. Right. right? Um, and I think that, you know, somewhere along the line, we lost that culture and lost that mentality that we are all athletes and that we are all capable and that there isn't such a thing as being special or being talented, but there is such a thing as you have the eyes, the lungs, the heart, the brain, the ears, the senses 
that make you equivalent to anyone else out there who is accomplishing great things, right? Yeah. And so it's not that you need anything special. We already all have everything we need to be great. My mother used to say everything is okay in moderation, but mm -hmm. yet she wouldn't give us cookies, she wouldn't give us junk food, we weren't allowed to eat meat, she wanted us on raw fruits and vegetables. You're yeah. saying that's too extreme? I'm saying that if, I'm saying that's potentially too extreme, yeah. I'm saying that, you know, look, there is a cultural component to food, there's a social component to food, um, and that food is about context, right? That that you can't just demonize or stereotype a certain food because it's called something, right? So, for example, if you make a freshly baked cookie, right, and you know where all the ingredients came from, and it's made from scratch, and it's wholesome with minimal ingredients, right? The nutritional profile of that cookie is probably a lot better than the nutritional you know, profile of a lot of prepackaged foods that are sold as health foods. Okay, but let's say, let's say prepackaged foods sold as health foods off the shelf, I agree with you, more processing, yeah. right? And so you're saying the cookie baked at home with minimal ingredients is better. But isn't the next step up just an apple? What, what were you saying? So what Alan was talking about is refreshing for a guy like me. We went out for sushi last night and I ordered a beer and I saw you looking at me like, what the frick, man? Come on. The guy at the what top of his game, he's ordering a beer. He didn't wake up this morning to work out with me. Right. Right. That was why you didn't make the Olympics. You were this close <laughs> to the Olympics, but you didn't, you just didn't go that extra step. Well, I'm saying moderation, as we said, to me, having moderation a beer, doesn't get you in the Olympics. But having one beer is enjoyable. And why one beer? He... I don't care what he says. One beer turns into two, turns into three. Before no, you know it, you're home. Me. You're home at one a.m. and you miss the Olympics. I'm going back over here. <laughs> I hope you're not sitting still while you listen. If you are, you better get a burpee break in. Hey guys, my producer says we need a lot of reviews on iTunes so that Apple will make it easy for you to find our show. Can you help us out by subscribing and writing a review? Would really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay, but let's say let's say prepackaged foods sold as health foods off the shelf. I agree with you. More processing, yeah. right? And so you're saying the cookie baked at home with minimal ingredients is better. But isn't the next step up just an apple? Certainly, right? But I think that uh, most of us don't live that way, right? And most of us don't just walk around eating apples. And I also think that it's in the context of your physical activity, your fitness, your uh, energy needs, and that uh, there's something really, really pleasurable and amazing about delicious food. And I think that as humans, trying to ignore that um, is kind of ignoring who we are as human beings. You know, there's this idea that, that, that there may be three components of, the, of, of, of who we are. There's the computer, the really logical, the really, you know, uh, sensical part of who we are then on the other extreme there's the there's the there's the wild animal right there's the monkey part of our brain and somewhere in the middle is the human right and you know in all the years that 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 I've coached and I've seen different behaviors in terms of athletics and you know business or whatever it's the people who are somehow able to turn off their computer put their monkey in their cage and truly just be human that end up being really, really consistent for the long haul. And it's that consistency that I think ultimately creates both success in, in, in life and in health and in everything we try to do. And so you're saying, so we agree, I think we agree, 
um, raw foods off the tree, out of the ground, are hands down the best thing we could eat. Absolutely, if we had that kind of access and if we could provide ourselves with that kind of access. If you lived on a farm and there was no store and that's, that's what right. you ate every day, that's that would right. be the ultimate diet. That's right, but right, so we, don't, we don't live on farms, right? And that's not how our current culture and our current lifestyle is created. And so I kind of think that oftentimes, you know, if we try to push too extreme towards one way, most people end up you're, you're going to swing the other way. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and so, and so, and so I just want to make sure I'm not crazy. So I'm, I'm, we're, we're going down the same road here. Mm -hmm. We agree. That's the best diet. I failed on that diet and yeah. I failed, I failed. I, I didn't fail because it didn't feel the best and I didn't perform. I performed better yeah. as an athlete than any other yeah, way sure, I've eaten. Sure. And, and on very long, crazy extreme events in 30 below weather, eight, 10 days on raw fruits and vegetables. I had carry it with me. It was difficult, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't last because socially, we go to eat in restaurants, That's and right. I can't order a cucumber when everybody else is ordering meatballs. Right. I just couldn't do it. That's right. That's um, right. We are social creatures, and I think that we have to remember that the best things that we do in life are done as teams. We're, we're pack animals. We do things together, and if you know, we can use food to bring people together in a real positive way, I have personally found that people thrive. And even on sports teams, when we paid really close attention to preparing really, really beautiful, delicious, great tasting meals that were also um, nutritionally profound, these teams came together, right? They shared with one another when they sat at the table. There was something emergent. Um, you know, in science, we talk about, um, oftentimes, we, we talk about everything as uh, uh, reduced. Um, there's an idea in science called reductionism, where you know, you break everything down to the individual parts, the, the fats, the carbohydrates, the proteins, the little micronutrients, the different phytochemicals. Um, ever since the invention of the microscope, we've been thinking about our world from a reductionist perspective. But there's another philosophy in science called emergence. And what emergence postulates is that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That if you were to think about human consciousness or the brain, despite the fact that we can break the brain down into all these individual neurons and synapses and you know different neurotransmitters and gray matter, white matter, we still haven't figured out how all those parts come together to create self-awareness, right? Self-awareness is emergent, right? If you take an ant colony, you know, you have one ganglion. They can make one decision at a time and you put billions of ants together and this amazing complex behavior emerges that allows the whole entire colony to survive. You take one ant in isolation and it's dead, right? right? So I think that food, you know, the way I see it is that as, a, as an academic, I used to always look at things from a pure biochemical or reduced standpoint. And when I got into the realm of sports and un started to understand how, how critical the social component was, I realized that there was something really emergent happening. But there's, there's another, so I, I get everything you're saying and I, yeah. I agree with it, um, especially having experienced it like I did, right? The social mm -hmm. component. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm studying Spartans yeah. often because yeah. that's who we are. Yeah. And their belief was, um, which is common to this, this core belief we have, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Get, get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's and, right. And so what they did with food was it was black stew. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. You weren't yeah. getting anything else. Yeah. And, and if you could deal with that, you could deal with sleeping on the ground, you could deal with battling 10, 12 hours a day with heavy gear on. And yeah. Well, then it made everything else easy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I get that, and right? I get that, and I get how challenging, you know, everything in life is, and I, I get that, you know, for the most part, you know, what we what we go through, the things that I think that I see people succeed at, are the things that are actually the hardest, right? I get that, you know, preparing a meal um, is uh, a lot harder than tearing open a, a, a package of food, right? Um, and I get that, you know, there's a certain uncomfortableness that you have to be able to really, really accept and deal with in order to, you know, Succeed. delay gratification for, for right. success. But I also think that um, we have this very backwards philosophy in terms of how we often think of athletics and, 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 and where we are. You know, there is a great quote by F. Scott Fitzgerald when he says, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposing ideas in one's mind and still retain the ability to function, right? right. And so you have a situation, for example, with um, a Spartan mentality of this delayed gratification, of, of toughing it out, where you're willing to withhold comfort for some goal in the future, right? right? Yet at the same time, uh, the opposite of that is still being able to be really centered on the present, right? And how do you do both? How do you, how do you, how do you push back for something in the future and still stay really present to the, to the, to the now? Um, for me, what I've kind of discovered, and, and this is you know, based a lot on the, the work of a psychologist named Sean Aker, where he talks about how oftentimes, you know, we think that um, success will make us happy and that, you know, we work our butts off so that we can be successful, so that we can be happy. And what I experienced in professional sports was that we were so goal-oriented that we always thought that we had to win a certain event or make it to the Olympic Games or do X, Y, and Z, and then we would be happy. But every time we, we accomplished those goals, success success turned into another goal and thus happiness just got pushed further and further away. When I started to run my own company at Scratch Labs, I started realizing that if I came into the office and I was in a bad mood or if I was, you know, uh, a little upset about something, if I brought, you know, a little too much intensity because um, I'm so ambitious and so competitive that instead of bolstering the team, I would just get everyone down, right? Uh, the mood was bad. What I realized was that I needed to figure a way to be happy first, and that happiness creates success. I am very intense, yeah. and I every once in a while get pissed off and have to send this email to my leadership team. And the other night, just the other night, I'm about to send this email thinking, am I going to get a positive result from this email? Because I really want to send it and say, yeah. guys, get your shit together. Or yeah. am I going to get a negative result from this email? And what you're saying is you're almost better off being happy yeah. and getting people that are happy and yeah. you're going to get a better result? Absolutely. You know, what I kind of discovered was that um, coming from such an ambitious, you know, culture, world, whether it was, you know, being driven by, by my immigrant parents, we were, you know, from China to the Philippines to, you know, Chinatown in Los Angeles, you know, pursuing this whole American dream to academics, to professional sports, um, one thing I realized is that ambition is an easy, really easy thing to hide behind until one day you realize it's all you have, right? right. And that, you know, we set all these goals uh, to be successful, thinking that's going to make us happy. But every time we reach those goals, happiness just gets pushed further and further away. Because but but let, me stop, let me stop you there, because you said that, and I'm thinking, 
I remember in college, I was working in a bar as a bar back. I was making like $14 a week. Yeah. And I remember a bunch of kids coming over that were drinking and partying that night while I was working as a bar back came over and said, hey, you should smile. You got to have some fun. And I'm thinking, I'm having fun. Yeah. I'm getting paid. Yeah. I'm exercising, carrying these buckets of dishes and glasses and beers up and down yeah. the stairs. Yeah. I'm having fun. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly how I orient to hard work as well. But it's the realization that it's not about trying to accomplish the goal. It's about being really present to the moment. Right. It's about really enjoying everything that you sense when you do work hard. And that happiness isn't about actually achieving something. It's, happiness, it's, it's the road to it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's the, the road it, to the goal. It's the journey. And when you right. break it down, for me, the things that make me happy, the things that make me happy are if I exercise every single day, if I get to do something for someone else, right? And Gratitude. I'm part of a team, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, if I'm eating well and taking the time to, you know, prepare my, my, my meals and if I'm able to sit down with others and share those meals, these little simple daily activities make me really happy. And it's the consistency of those simple daily activities that other people might call discipline with respect to sports and athletics. And so while I get the warrior mentality and I get delayed gratification and I get how much suffering happens in sport and life. I also get that if you're really, really present to that, there is a ton of joy in that as well. Right. And that joy is what ultimately drives the Success. accomplishment. Right. Right. And that'll get you there. Yeah. Right. Because if it's if the journey is miserable, you're not getting mm -hmm. You're not going to achieve success, right? That's right. We have this, um, this saying amongst, you know, this, this little wolf pack of riders that live here in town. And the, um, the saying is 99-1. And it stands for 99% bullshit, 1% pure magic. We live for the magic. Right. And when you think about sport, you think about business, you think about all the things that we push ourselves to do that 99% of it is hard, 99% of it is suffering, 99% of it is challenge, 99% of it is often just BS that you have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. But 1% of it, if you're lucky, is so magical that you will do anything to grab it, right? right. It's that, those little slivers of hope that keep us going and it's those little slivers of wonder that keep us engaged. And, at the end of the day, maybe it's not even about that little bit of reward. It's that, that, that journey, sure, right? The rest sure. of 99.1. Um, you know, so we have this, this tattoo. Love it. This uh, IXIXI, right? 9.9.1. And it's just a reminder of that, of, that, of that challenge and a reminder that that challenge and that suffering is okay, that the best things in life um, are the things that we truly earn that are the hardest. So, so, so given that, um, having a bad day, or, or somebody out there that's watching this is having a bad day, um, how does the 99-1 apply to that? It applies because it's a reminder that it's going to happen, that that's not, you know, the, 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 the discomfort or the misery isn't unreasonable, and that it will pass, and that, you know, you're going to find um, something better out of it, that... You know, anytime I think that uh, myself or the riders I've coached have been in difficulty, the ones who have survived, the ones who get through it, are the ones who allow that challenge to make them better. You know, so another little saying that we have is let it make you better, right? If you're upset, if you're miserable, if you're having a bad day, let it make you better, right? Don't ignore it. 
Don't try to soothe yourself from it. Don't try to put an ointment on it, right? Experience it, you know, try to understand it and let it make you better. Um, I think that that's really the only thing that I've been... That's a great lesson, that, because then you can turn a negative into a positive, right? That's right. This, I, is, this is an experience. This is a learning experience. Everything is, and, and I think that what people forget is that, um, you know, if, if you read Dan Coyle's book, The Talent Code, his whole thing is that there is no such thing as talent. There is just this one thing called practice, and practice is not about the discipline to do something. Practice is about overcoming the frustration of making mistakes, Right? Practice is continuously bumping your head up against the wall and screwing it up so that you can figure it out. And if you watch a bunch of kids you know, practicing music, it's the kids who look the most frustrated. It's the kids who are suffering the most. It's the kids who are constantly hitting the wrong notes all the time that are learning the fastest. Right. Right? And right. who are actually... They're over their skis. They're pushing hard. That's right. right? They're, always, right. they're always pushing over that limit, and that's the only way that we actually learn. You know, learn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they say um, comfort stunts growth. That's right. Right? That's right. That's right. But at the same time, you know, bringing this back to food, there has to be that reprieve, and there has to be that joy in life. The end of an eight, to, at the end of an eight-hour ride, yeah. I certainly get your whole, like, then it's, it makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> right? It makes sense. Yeah. But if you're not exercising, yeah. that's right. you, you probably shouldn't be... Um, Making buttery, sugary cookies. That's right. Right. And there's, 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 there's gluttony in everything, right? right? There's gluttony in food, and there's also gluttony in in work, yeah. right? And you know, when I think about athletes and and this idea of overtraining, right? It's as gluttonous as overeating, um, and so you have to at least try as hard as it is to keep them in check. I wouldn't say that you keep them in balance because in our world there is no such thing as balance. Um, you know. Uh, you ever thought about how, how, you, how, how people stay balanced on a, on a unicycle? Yeah. You don't. You're either always falling forward or you're always falling backwards. Right. Right? Right. And that's how you stay upright. And I think that that's definitely been a notion that, that, that I've seen. Um, but keeping things in check so that you make sure that you know, one side of the equation isn't you know, so gluttonous compared to another. You know, if, you, if, if life comes down to a couple of simple things, you know, how well you're sleeping, your nutrition, your physical activity, and it's this three-legged stool. Well, you, you know, you better make sure that all three legs are. are I like working. that. I like that from a um, for for our athletes, for the people watching. Right, it's three legs to the stool. It's nutrition, sleep, and exercise. That's right. That's it, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Is there an emotional component there, or does that come out of one of the, all three of those legs? I, I think that the emotional and the social component, it, you know hopefully comes out of that whole experience and, and that we're doing all these things because, because, you know, ultimately we want to be part of a community of like-minded individuals. All right, Dr. Johnny, we got to talk about what he meant with leaving the monkey in the cage, putting the computer aside and just going to live. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I think he's talking about in our, in our modern society, we, he talked about we've got the, the logical computer side of us and that's where we spend a lot of our time thinking. And then there's also the, the living and, uh, and engaging in a, in a primal way. And um, I loved what he talked about. You know, in, in your interaction back and forth, you're like, no, food is simply fuel. That's all that it is. That's the logical mind, right? And that's sitting down on a computer uh, busting out the calories and the nutrients. And he said, no, we're, we're animals. Like, and, and we're social animals. That's the cool part. You know, there's going out and running around and engaging and sweating, and that's important. But doing it together as part of a team. Or I loved the example he talked about when you take a sports team 
and take really good nutritious food but that they enjoy like if you put just a bunch of celery and water in front of them they're not going to be super motivated the next day but when you put good nutritious uh nourishing food and they all go out and enjoy it together in a social setting and how that elevates everything i really love the idea about marrying those two things up and i and i get the psychology behind that for sure you know um i have a problem with it i think i grew up in an italian uh household in an italian neighborhood where mm-hmm. everything was food sure I mean, that's all we talked about was yeah. food all we did was eat and um it wasn't too um nutritious right no. it was just giant pounds um, you know just quantity of but, but, food. but, but, but he's talking about for your soul for, yeah. your, for your sociability for well your, no i mean we sat at a the table sure. they 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 uh they talked but i've seen you eat <laughs> and there's not a lot of talk. There's not a lot of soul. But here's the thing. It, does, it doesn't have to be an either or. You know, you're, you're sort of saying it either has to be this Spartan uh, celery and water. Food is not about enjoying. Food's about fuel. So Carrots I can go. too. I mean, you can. <laughs> but, but you're saying the alternative is to sit around and slovenly shovel back horribly uh, unhealthy food. I think where Helen's coming from is you can create, and I love that he talked about making it yourself, instead of just going and buying fast food, he talked about actually making from whole foods and solid nutrients and creating something that is both, that's healthy, that's nourishing, that, that satisfies that uh, functional role, but without it being suffering with, you know, that you can really bring enjoyment and that social component into it. So, so I think you need to just sort of broaden out the, the idea no, that it's not a logic um, switch. No, I had the idea. I mean, we, we're here on a farm yep. in Pittsfield, and the idea was, could we get food from the from the garden right from the ground and but I don't, I don't i just don't buy into those big time wasting dinners and meals but, but I, I mean just, he agreed with you that that organic food in which you're talking was better yeah but but it, then again he's talking about this other component the, well, the, no he allowed a croissant and i don't understand the croissant and the coffee well, thing either well, I mean, well, because what he said was, you know, if something's homemade, right, if you're using good ingredients, it's a lot better than anything else you're going to find. You know, you talk about celery and water. Oftentimes it's it's grown with pesticides and in plastic bottles that pollute the ocean. You know what I mean? So there's like a lot of different things you need to expand out into. A lot of people don't like eating wheat, but if you eat emmer and einkorn and all these ancient heritage weeds, like, there are things that are really good for you. And nutrition is something that has been a lot forgotten in our society. I mean, doctors even, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our honorary doctors. <laughs> but like doctors, I think they have one, most doctors have one week or something, a course in nutrition, and they're the ones advising you. you know, I had a friend who had part of their intestine taken out, and they were like, here's jello and pizza, right? Yeah. And so there's well, you a look, huge you look, disconnect be, yeah. with, with our society now and, and what good nutrition is. So You look what they serve in hospitals. Yeah, After somebody I mean, has an it's operation, terrible. it's the worst possible yeah. food. The, the, worst. Worst. the worst. The worst. The worst. I don't even understand that. Yeah. And, and, and same and in schools. jail, right? Yeah. And, and in jail. <laughs> and in jail. And, and what it does is well, it just fuels your brain. Oh, right, yeah. It just fuels your brain to perpetuate just. Yeah. But, but the, the, the neat thing is, is this conversation about food. And I, and I love where he's coming from. And whether you agree with everything he says or not, it isn't the part that matters. What matters is that, um, that there are people out there who are, who are thinking about this and are actually trying to move it forward. Because the other thing that he said that I really liked is that when you create a very strict diet, if people can't live up to that, which most people can't, they'll just throw in the towel completely. Right. Then it's about failure. So you set them up to fail, exactly. So I liked what he said about, why don't we create something that is fundamentally healthy, but that it's also achievable. And you know, not everyone is gonna be able to go on this incredibly strict regimen. Um, so, so there's some balance there. And I, I think that it's important to have those conversations. And even if you disagree with this part of it and wanna pull it a bit this way, that's great. But if we don't have that conversation in the first place, everyone's eating McDonald's. Yeah. I, I, for me, I thought if I was only gonna listen to one of these podcasts, yeah. 
uh, this would be the one. Now, of course, I wouldn't. I'd listen to them all. Yes, as but, you all but, should. But, but, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I really, I thought intellectual. I mean, I really thought that he, he got into this from a different perspective than most of the people we're going to hear from the athletes, essentially. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of, you know, preached moderation, which I liked. Yeah. You, you um, got a free pass on uh, drinking soda. That's what this was. You know what? I never, I never I did hear him say the soda's okay, though. But I take advantage of it once a day, at least. Um, no, but I, 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 the other part that he talked about, and I want to hear what you got to say about it, is this 99% bullshit, 1% magic. I took that to be 99% process and 1% product, uh, meaning, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into whatever you're trying to achieve. And so most of it is work and very little of it is final outcome. Yeah, and to me, the final outcome, whether you finish a race or you finally built your business or whatever it may be, um, that's not the fun part the fun part is actually the 99 percent of the work and effort and yeah, sweat and, yeah. and right you look back and you're like that was awesome yeah. the whole way there i can't tell you how many races here's a great story my eight-year-old ran a 50k told you about it the whole way we talked about i was trying to get him interested in the medal that we were going to get at the end he wasn't asking about it we get to the finish line we're last and second to last place he and i it's eight hours and 20 minutes in i said where are the medals they said oh in this race we don't give out medals we give out chairs. <laughs> so I gotta explain to my nine-year-old that he's getting a chair, right? He says, can I have two more, one for my brother, one for my sister? <laughs> so, oh, nice. but, but the point was, like, he definitely embraced, um, definitely not through a cognitive, right? It was just purely something that's innate. It was, it was the eight hours and 20 minutes was, was, the, was the prize, was the sure. medal, right? Yeah. It wasn't the chair. Well, so. destination, not the journey. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say we, we 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 take the cliches about the journey, not the destination, <clears throat> but then we don't know what it, we don't look at what it actually right. means. And the idea about life is ninety nine percent the journey, and we're kind of taught that it's this grind, that it's awful, that it's terrible. And what Charlie taught you is uh, get out there and enjoy it, right? Like this this is the fun part, Dad. Who cares about the medal or the chair when you get <laughs> to the end? Well, what, 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 sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, what do the wrestlers say, right? Embrace yeah, the yeah. grind, right? Embrace the grind. Yeah. And the, the other thing that I really liked about what he said, and this actually ties into the wrestlers and the athletes that you speak to, I loved when he said that a lot of the people he deals with are these athletes who he's teaching them how to then go out and feed themselves because they've been raised by parents and then coaches and then agents and then personal assistants. Mm -hmm. And we look at these people who are incredibly skilled in one area and we put them on a pedestal, whether it's a business person who has no balance in their life or an athlete who has no other marketable skills. And I think that, you know, you know, we think of the everyman watching these podcasts, but I think, you know, uh, Shaquille O'Neal could probably watch this podcast and learn a lot from it too. So s these people that are already on a very high level in one area may not have all these other skills. And so I really love the breadth of the people that you're talking to. And I love that he addressed that, that some of these people who um, are incredibly successful still need help learning what these other, other areas of their lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Everybody needs a little wilderness. <laughs> That's right. Everyone needs a lot of wilderness. We, we, we need to bring all these people that up to her uh, glamorous camping on the mountain. What's the name of your, yeah, let's give you your little yeah. glamorous camping. Puddies, you know, because at Puddies, you're welcome. What do you please? No, no, and I think what, it's true. What? I mean, they talk about rewilding people, right? You know, it's because we've become, um, we've become a society that's so comfortable being inside, right, and not comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think people like Alan Lim help to change your frame of reference and say you know well good food is what you need being outdoors is what you need and 
you know, being a well-rounded person. It's the same thing, right? The 99-1 thing. It says, as my dad always says, if you love what you're doing, you don't work a day in your life. And you gotta, you have to reframe your brain and mm -hmm. just say like the work is the good stuff, right? I mean, that's what gets you to be able to have those unicorn 1%, you know, moments, so. Cool. Yeah. All right, well, we love what we do, and you're gonna love what you do if you go to SpartanUpPodcast.com, check out Johnny the Doctor, check out <laughs> Wild Woman, <laughs> check out Ooh, Colonel retired Nye, Colonel. Yeah. retired Colonel. Um, we've got notes on there, we've got, um, what do we have? Folks, videos, uh, <laughs> interact. All kinds of things that are, that are much cooler than we are, and you'll love it. I just got to so. say, though, that I was looking forward to lunch a lot more because I believe we we're going to break for lunch after this before you start making me feel guilty about this awesome sandwich I'm going to have. No, yeah. they're bringing celery and water. Perfect. Yeah. Good. That's <laughs> awesome. It's going to be very social. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs>